0: Visit Remax.com or download the Remax app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Based on 2022 Brandspark American Trust Study, each office independently owned and operated.
1: 911, what's your emergency? I can't find Captain Nash and his wife's cruise ship. Somebody Tonight, 911 comes to ABC. If we're
2: going to make it out of here, we got to work together. Tonight at 9 on ABC, followed by 7 News at 11.
1: She was hired to fix D.C.'s 911 problems.
0: It
2: was the worst I'd ever seen.
1: But instead says she was fired for exposing the failures. The blame belongs
2: in leadership. Now the IT digs into what fueled the mayor's decision. Tonight on 7 News
0: at 5. Everybody, it is me, Strong Bad Bruiser Holden McNeely. Uh, uh, uh. The system is down. The system is down. The cheat. Come on. I get you your own
1: light switch. Not so you could throw rave parties. And it's me, Japanese cartoon version of Strong Bad Stinko Man. Are you prepared (laughs) for a challenge?
0: And of course, today we are talking about Home Star Runner, the American Flash animated offbeat <laughs> comedy web series. I'm actually going to do the synopsis. You.
1: How dare you reduce the Home Star Runner experience to American off-brand humor flash website? That is, that is, that's like describing the sun as like, uh, you know, the big, big circle. It's you're doing it a disservice.
0: It was created by Mike and Matt Chapman, also known as the Brothers Chaps, and this became extra- exceptionally popular in the early stages of the internet, spread via word of mouth, and the site still operates today with cartoons and web games. And yes, Jake, you are correct. I'm not giving it enough of its due. This was everywhere in a way that was different from most other media, which we got via the whatever the TV stations wanted to give us. I mean, even Adult Swim was sanctioned by Turner. This beat was such a pure word of mouth. that existed that had no attachments to any kind of industry or any kind of big money. This was just absolutely two dudes making goofs as little animated things in an interactive website and it became a universal language for us. I mean, for me personally in college, this was one of the first, I think this actually might technically be the first thing I ever Sat around with a group of people and binged in a way that I don't think I'd ever done. Where, uh, you know, actually, you know what? That's not true. Maybe around this time, the Simpsons DVDs and the Family Guy DVDs were hitting. And that was also, it was all kind of happening around the same point where we would sit all together. I'm sure we were high. That was always the case. And just watch video after video after video. And it really was such a fascination. And To learn more about it, too, was such a fascination just because, man, these two dudes really just did it. They did it for the love of the game. They never let anybody take too much control of it and spin it out into something else. And even to the point where, like, at one point they get regular-ass jobs to supplement. Yeah, I mean, technically. I mean, actually, they were doing, like, kind of cool animation voiceover jobs. But either way, they got, like... When they were like, ah, we just don't want to do this anymore. They just, like, got 9-to-5s instead of trying to sell it to someone or anything like that. I mean, it's really, really just an a, a internet history classic.
1: For the children of the 90s and 2000s, for whom just, like, killing time in front of the computer, either on their parents' you know office PC in the rec room or uh, killing time at a computer lab or, like, in college, you know, everyone has... Uh, a Dell laptop and a blazing fast fiber optic internet connection. Like Homestar Runner was maybe the ideal expression of what like web content could be. First of all, everything else that was happening at the time was either like one off really just like shitty parodies where like it was just Barney fucks himself to death or like bad Britney Spears things. I'm thinking of like websites like Liquid Generation and Icebox.com. All, like, getting dumped with startup money, all doing these just, like, nasty-ass things and, like, not really building anything, just kind of, like, doing whatever. On the other side, there was, like, the whole web comics boom where, like, you'd be reading a comic strip day after day after day and then there'd just be a weird long blog post that was, like, I cannot... Embrace the darkness within me anymore. The toll has been taken. <laughs> My wife has left me. I'm addicted to gummy bears. Like, no more, co- you know, all this like drama roiling. <laughs> but here was this world that started off so small, and each little weekly update would build and build and build, creating a universe of lore. There was barely Any, like, kind of presence of the creators except, like, in fun little cameos. And even then it was just, like, on their own terms and never, like, the true version of themselves. So, like, this thing just grew and grew and grew to the point where there was thousands of bits of lore and in-jokes that you could lose yourself in. Really fun games. Easter eggs that, like rewarded you for hunting and pecking at every single pixel and every single thing. And nowadays, like, I'm thinking of things like uh, the SCP project or uh, uh, Homestuck, oddly enough, you know, Homestar, Homestuck. Uh, And like, the internet is now full of all of these very similar, like, personal projects that just kind of take on a life of their own just from... Uh, fan input and just creators that just kind of hack away and create something so nightmarishly huge and important in the eyes of its fans. And Homestar was this just gleaming, perfect version of that decades before anything else could, uh, appear. And had enough cultural
0: touchstones and had enough, I would say, um, just uh, had enough offbeat humor to actually tr- get the college audience, mm-hmm. and that is actually very special because it, it did not have the curses in it. It did not deal with overtly whoa filthy whoa whoa.
1: Strongbad said the said crap a lot.
0: He said, he said crap the,
1: so much.
0: I love how you're about to say the c word and then you're like, oh, actually, I can't just say the c <laughs> word because then they'll think it's something else. But yes, yeah, he definitely said crap and sucked. He said a lot. the
1: crap word, Holden.
0: <laughs> but but yeah, I think that's actually a really. Special thing, considering that you know what was huge at the time was South Park and all this sort of stuff. These boundary, edgy, boundary pushing, boundary pushing things, as opposed to this, which was wholly quite innocent, and yet it was cool. It was cool to know about it. It was cool to watch it. And I actually have a very specific memory in my mind right now of all of us in my uh, the bedroom of my ap- apartment sophomore year, uh, just surrounding my computer just watching Strong Bad email after Strong Bad email and all of those classics that we're going to talk about. The whole Trogdor thing, the, the Teen Girl Squad one, Like those are all so stuck in my head because you also would show them off over and over again. It was sort of kind of a thing that you could show off to show that you knew cool stuff about the internet. And again, this is back when the internet really was such a special wild, wild west where it was all word of mouth. And like I remember there were a few different sites I would go to and they were so simple. And that's what again made HomeStar so special, because it was getting updated weekly and it was so filled with content. Whereas, you know, there was one there was hamsterdance.com that it And it was just little animated little hamsters spinning around and around over and over again. And that was all it was. There was another website that was just um, this beer, this kind of beer sort of dancing around the screen. It would just go beer, beer, beer. I want to have some beer, 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 beer. I'm going to have some beer just over and over again. And this existed among those things. is this weird, offbeat, funny thing online that you could only get online, uh, which was very unique at the time, but it actually was real content. And it kind of expanded on these kind of gimmicky, goofy internet attractions. It's almost like an attraction at a carnival, but Homestar Runner was its own
1: theme park to explore. It's honestly, the mixture of interactivity and passive, uh, like animated works is something that could have only existed at the Nadir of flash and that kind of level of web presence. Like nowadays the website is dead. Like if you are making something, you are going to a platform like Twitch or YouTube or Instagram, like the very idea of, of being like, no, 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 go to the address bar on Chrome and type something in disgusting, D- impossible. It, like you cannot get it done. What's crazy to me Is the fact, besides the fact that now literally every reference to dragons or Dungeons and Dragons or any fantasy settings has to have an obligatory Trogdor reference as an in joke, Mm -hmm. is the like, this was before memes were in Super Bowl ads. This is before the internet became culture. So it really was, you know, seeing a Strong Bad t shirt or a limousine t shirt or, you know, just any acknowledgement. You All of a sudden, you felt seen. It was this like secret handshake between people. Which worked out great
0: for them because merch ends up being their main source of income once they actually start to try to figure out how to monetize it. And again, what I love about all this is that happened like two years in or more of them putting out regular content. I mean, this is really, truly a labor of love, which is what makes Homestar Runner so special. And if it's something you've never checked out, we're going to give you some really good videos to start with. And, uh, unfortunately, well, the site is, is the site at all preserved at this point? Because, of course, the weird thing, again, is that this is Flash ba- animated, and Flash died at the very beginning of this year. So, that is the other bizarre, uh, timeline thing we're working with, that, that it has actually, uh, uh, existed on a now dead internet, uh, software.
1: The, there is, if you go to HomestarRunner.com, it uses a kind of middleware, called i think ruffle that allows you to watch most of the uh videos and play the games Uh, the entire back catalog is uploaded officially on youtube under the homestar runner account the only thing that doesn't work is if you like find an old link to a specific cartoon that'll get uh 404, I believe is the error But it's message. all
0: on YouTube. So really, I would just like start looking at greatest hits. But I think you could even just look up strong bad email on YouTube and just go through each one. And they are so funny, especially the emails.
1: That is another super clutch thing is that anyone who did land on that site, whether it was word of mouth, just like hanging out in a dorm room or get this back in the day. Used to go to websites to find out which other websites you can go to, and a yeah. lot. And there was literally no downside to recommending Homestar Runner. It would always make like the top ten lists of like fun websites for animation, fun websites for games, fun websites in general. Totally, totally. And to the uh, listener right now who is uh, listening to this years after we posted it because you found our podcast and you're just diving through the archives. What you're experiencing is like what a Homestar Runner visitor would experience as they just went numerically through the back catalog. And you are special (laughs) and we love you. Your name is probably Eric. Eric, have a great day.
0: This site also had a uh, pureness to it, a purity in the sense that uh, they didn't want to break the fourth wall. They wanted you to think that it was all a, a, a truly lived in site or world of just the characters, and that also went as far, too, as the advertising. As we said, the merchants up being their sole source of income, and I have good quotes and stuff coming up, but just wanted to throw that out there as well about what made this special, was that there were no banner ads, no annoying pop-ups, like, those still exist ad nauseum today. There's a place you could go, There were there weren't even, like, forums where they were talking about, like, the the work process or anything like that, like you got on a lot of other websites. No, this was literally just, like, the product in its purest, most distilled form. And everything on it was something written or said or done by the characters in this animated world. Uh, all right. Shall we get into it, Jake? Hold
1: on. hold Holden, one of the things that I feel like epitomizes the Homestar Runner fan experience, especially in the nostalgia zone, is the fact that even if you don't remember a full episode, there are like thousands of weird little earworms that stick with you yes. to this day.
0: Yeah, little end jokes that are so quotable that, much like a Home Star T-shirt, you could say it out loud and know who the real ones were.
1: Uh, in to this day, at random intervals, if someone like just asks me for a number in my head, I'll just hear, "I can do it nine times." Uh, <laughs> just this morning, I had the entirety of come. On fuck what gods I said, come on fuck what gods. <laughs> it's just, it's an emails. Just yeah. even like it's just constantly just misfiring neurons in my brain, constantly rushing these things. What are some of the go to just mind worms that still stick with you today? The ugly one.
0: <laughs> uh, that's a big one. I already did my biggest one. It's definitely the techno thing. That was, I got such a kick out of that for sure early on. Just the whole, the whole, the system is down. That's system, Um yeah, I am and uh, as per usual when you put me on the spot I I, I I've completely come up with blanks but those are definitely definitely the ones that uh, uh popped into my head of, uh, initially.
1: God damn. God damn, what a journey. Also, uh, spoiler alert, uh nobody was convicted of sex crimes and nobody was uh Not burnt yet. out. Nobody yeah. was yeah. Uh, so fact, out. they
0: got burnout, and they were like, all right, cool, we're done. We're going to go raise our kids and yeah. get, like, get more regular jobs for a little while and, and uh, do this the way we want to do it. Yeah, definitely. Mad respect for the brothers, chap. Uh, so here we go. Let's get into it. Mike and Matt Chapman, born in 1973 and 1976, respectively. and uh, They're the
1: filthy Gen Xers. You thought you were enjoying it, you bright-eyed millennials, but no, <laughs> they were secret Xers.
0: And But what what also makes them even older in a certain way, at least in terms of their pop culture references and things like that, is they are the youngest of five siblings. Mm. And because the siblings had such a wide gap in age age range, I think from youngest to oldest, it was 10 years, they are introduced to a ton of older media that a lot of kids maybe weren't introduced to at that time. These include Sierra computer games like King's Quest and the Nickelodeon show, You Can't Do That on Television, Old School Wrestlers and Bad Special Effects, but also The Simpsons, also a British cartoon show called Bod that incorporated odd shapes in a storybook way. That is clearly an influence for Homestar and other designs. Uh, Batman sixty six, Looney Tunes, Mystery Science Theater three thousand, uh, and it, the list goes on and on because they're all together. They're all they're all like bros hanging out, sharing one liners. Matt, as a kid, even actually liked attention and would do silly voices just to get. Some in a house that big, and you have to, in order to stand out, you've got to be funny, you've got to be special in these ways. He also had a very good memory, and he could quote Simpsons and Bugs Bunny lines and things like that. Uh, and also, they're playing a lot of video games together. They, uh, the classic Atari, the NES. One of their first works, which we'll talk about in just a second, involves Punch Out. Uh, especially the uh, Mario Bros. blue background with the green, which uh, with the green fields, which definitely inspires the look of Homestars Town. And then you have music influences. They're they're listening to a lot of hair metal at this time. Motley Crue, Guns N' Roses... Their oldest brother, Donnie, was a major influence on their comedy, uh, according to Mike, who said, Our older brother, Donnie, taught us how to be snarky before we even knew what it meant or how to use that type of humor. I remember him watching The Love Boat just to make fun of it. He did not like The Love Boat at all. He would just sit there and rag on everybody the whole time. He thought it was hilarious. He had this kid's book called The Daddy Book, a very 70s kid's picture book. And it was just a nice book about different dads. Dads, they're all different. They do different things. They look different. And he would go through it and add his own commentary where the dads would do horrible things to the kids. And it was really awful. I mean, that's like straight up a strong bad move. Totally. So Donnie's totally like the strong bad, in (laughs) in other words, that they draw from in the family. But also, uh, yeah, the the but Matt and Mike specifically start and and really but all of the brothers together were doing creative things together. But Matt and Mike, they first were doing drawings together and that which led to comic books. Then they get their hands on a Super 8
1: camera. One of the things that highlights their early work together, which uh, I'm literally talking about children, uh, which just like to 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 expand on that is one of the key vibes that Homestar Runner throws out is that it feels like outsider art. It feels like yes. the sheer, like almost shotgun blast of references and inspirations from across seventies, eighties and nineties pop culture where in a single Halloween episode, there'll be like a reference to captain Lou Albano and like the Michelin man and uh, Lisa left. Eye Lopez like their weird breath of just culture to draw upon really it just it's something that it's feels less produced it feels more wholesome it feels like you are part of this in joke you are part of this like small community and their early work is uh they showcased this at a PAX panel one time they uh their first work together was a just like uh line school homework paper comic strip that's just a retelling of the plot of King's Quest 1, the old Sierra adventure game. Uh, One of their earliest video projects was a, like, just a bunch of shirtless boys in a dank uh, living room reenacting the plot of Punch-Out. By plot of Punch-Out, I mean shirtless boys punching each other in front of a video camera.
0: I was about to mention, Alan, because that was a lot of fun to watch. You really get to feel the family love and, like, the the playfulness of them all just being bored at home and loving the game Mike Tyson's Punch Out on the NES and just trying to recreate it with their shitty Super Eight camera it just feels so homegrown and so fun and you just see like you see that they they definitely grew up it made me a little jealous of of those that got to grow up in like a, a family a big family like that where you could just have so many so many essentially forced friends to create (laughs) little projects together. And also, while this is all going on, their parents, insanely supportive. I guess that's another one of the little bits of this. It's like, all right, we get it. You're perfect. Uh, But the parents were like, Almost to a fault. I mean, they would they would travel hours away to go, like once they got into like college bands and stuff later on, they would travel hours to go to like terrible dive bars to watch them play to the point where the kids were even like, come on, I want to be able to curse on stage and be like crazy. And I can't because my parents are the audience. I mean, just absolute sweethearts for sure
1: but Homestar Runner really epitomizes that innocence and just carefree uh cre- love of creation that a child drawing on construction paper with their brother yep. just expanded to the digital realm
0: and just just but also really really smartly funny and really uh, you know to a, to a point where i'm surprised they didn't do even more professional outside of Homestar Runner more even more work because i feel like um when you it, the comedy really holds up when you go back to watch it and um you really you really get a sense of that like it, it, there's not it, this is nothing without their their uh, fantastic comedy Well right.
1: they did do the official website of the Mellow Mushroom the Southern pizza chain and Which is fun If you ever wanted to experience Homestar Runner but it's about pizza you should definitely find that old website
0: It is pretty much a one to one to the Homestar Runner site but just featuring Mel the uh from uh, the mascot from Mel mushroom it's fantastic. My brother worked there for a while actually in college. It's one of
1: the I was floored when I went. It was it's incredible. very good.
0: uh but either way, Matt goes to film school at Louisiana State University and then Florida State University, which is interesting because that's where I discovered Homestar Runner was at Florida State University with my friends. I had no idea one of the two guys who created it was actually a film student there while. Mike goes to the University of Florida but drops out of grad school around the time Matt is graduating from undergrad and before that time the name and initial concept actually comes from Mike Chapman Craig Zobel and uh, uh, his buddy and was based on an in-joke between them and their childhood friend James Huggins who ended up being a successful musician in his own right as a member of the band of Montreal. He played drums but also other instruments for that band just a very interesting connection and Craig Zobel Uh, in this story he he just kind of has a part to play here but he goes on to be a filmmaker and even made that more recent movie the hunt which which was what was the controversy about either way it was the hunt and it was a movie i saw it i thought it it was just a bit fun dumb uh thriller but either way uh from mike's brother matt had this to say uh it actually comes from a friend of ours james Um, that would be James Huggins. There was an old local grocery store commercial and we live in Atlanta and it advertised the Atlanta Braves. It was like, The Atlanta Braves hit home runs, and you can hit a home run with savings here. And so there was this player named Mark Lemke, and they said something like, all-star second baseman for the Braves. And our friend James knows nothing about sports. So he would always do this old-timey radio impression of this guy, and not knowing any positions in baseball or whatever, he would just be like, home-star runner for the Braves. And we were like, home-star runner? That's the best thing we've ever heard. So so now they're in uh, Georgia. They're in Atlanta, I believe. And this is during the summer of 1996. And that is the summer of the uh, Summer Olympics in Atlanta, which is going on in the background. They're working on jobs. You might remember jobs. the Atlanta
1: Olympics because they had the wonderful mascot, Izzy, the blue just a tumor. It was just I a, a blue say tumor. Because of that
0: horrific bombing that happened. But yes, also the ma- the tumor mascot as well. Uh, either way, uh, the, the, the bombing is not mentioned here. But what is mentioned is that one day they visited a bookstore. They're in the chil- they find themselves in the children's section. They're joking around. They're just ragging on the children's books, kind of like Donnie used to do. They're just sitting there making fun of them. And this leads to them creating a sort of parody children's book of their own. And uh, apparently in just about two hours, they ended up designing the look for Homestar Runner, Pom Pom, Strong Bad, and The Cheat. And had a completed book within a day. and it also also sh- we should mention it was not just like a ch- uh, making fun of children's book. They-, they specifically did like a Japanese lost in translation children's book, which is something that's gonna come pl- come to play in their uh, later work as well using this idea of like bad Japanese dubs and media that they love uh, and um, very highly inspired by that and jokes based on that as well. Uh, Homestar is based on the clueless jock persona. Uh, and he didn't have arms. I never thought about this, but he didn't have arms because he's a runner, and he doesn't need them, and I never thought about the fact that he didn't have arms for some reason. Uh, The idea was to have him competing every single issue in a different sport, And they needed a villain, so they brought in Strong Bad. Mike said, naturally, the bad guy had to be a masked wrestler with boxing gloves. The rest wrote itself. And it's said to be based on the 1983 NES game Tag Team Wrestling, whose bad guy wrestling team was called, quote, the Strong Bads," And the cheat is named that because, well... He helps Strong Bad cheat in these different issues where they're doing sporting events. And I think that I, I love this whole lore or this whole, like, the early part of this idea because you don't even think about, like, why any of these characters exist because by the time you get turned on to Homestar Runner... You just you're take already, it at face value. You're already just, like, in the Strong Bad emails and it's, like, got nothing to do with any of the shit I just said.
1: I mean, <laughs> I don't even think, at a certain point, I don't even think they realize that, like... What's the name for an evil wrestler? It's definitely the words in the... Not even the game itself, just the... English manual for an yeah. old like Data East game.
0: Yes, which they did eventually uh, get a lawyer to make sure they could even use <laughs> Strong Bad as a as a name and whatnot, uh, that they wouldn't be uh, getting any uh, NES copyright coming after him. But either way, uh, they just print out like five to ten copies to share with friends for a laugh. Again, this whole concept of they don't do anything to sell anything. They only just do it for the pure joy Wait, of it.
1: Why would you not just go ahead and make the thing that you're riffing on with your butt? And show it to people. I don't, you're, (laughs) I, are you, obviously every single time you have a creative idea, you see it to fruition without any, uh, thought or feeling of compensation afterwards, you know, normal normal human thought processes. I mean,
0: absolutely. I mean, I will say, I don't think we ever thought we were going to make any money off of Roundtable of Gentlemen. And, not, and we definitely did not. But it did actually lead to a lot of amazing opportunities later on still has like a, a, a following. But so I kind of get doing something purely for the love, but it is a little lost on me at this point in my career and life.
1: Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks. Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw
0: but either way, Mike's father, champion of his sons that he is, he sends the book out as a manuscript for submission to like 80 different publishers. And that did add, gain them quite a few rejection letters and not much else. But still, just another tidbit to show you how supportive that sweet, sweet data theirs is. But
1: this is still 1996. This is just a weird family in-joke at this point. Like yes. the, Even the glimmer of making a website is just not even a thing at this point.
0: And so, a second book is planned, but never actually happens. More on that at the end of this episode. But Matt and Mike do find themselves living together after college, and there's just something there that compels them to create a cartoon. For The first of which was done using Mario Paint on the SNES, which is weird, because we mentioned Mario Paint, I believe... Uh, and our Rock Band episode, which is going to connect at a different point to this episode. But uh, uh, that was because we talked about how that was technically kind of a, one of the first versions of a rhythm game in certain aspects.
1: Just a music creation game tool. And then here we
0: have Homestar Runner and them creating the, fr- and you can see this. It is on YouTube, and I definitely suggest checking it out if you are a Homestar fan. It, uh, they They create this little thing. Again, it does have that kind of parody of Japanese theme songs. Oh song no, they're
1: absolutely doing the like gamuda yeah yeah that's yeah yeah. Yeah, totally. Uh, like childlike theme song thing. Um uh in fact, the Homestar Runner voice that uh, Matt uses is this weird mutated version of a like Japanese schoolgirl voice that he would use to make his brothers laugh as one of his many little brother tricks. Right. Um in an interview with GeForce The Pulse uh, he admitted that the first like digital version of that voice was he replaced all of his brother's sounds in Windows with just like, you'll get the good message. Hooray. Uh So in
0: 1999, Mike noticed that Flash animation was getting big. He pulls in his younger brother, Matt, to learn it themselves.
1: And this was just to get a job. This was just, you know, this was the beginning of the Flash age and every website needed a Flash guy. And after both of these guys kind of... Wait, you know, uh I don't both uh Mike dropped out from art school. He was studying photography. And like when it came time for the later classes where it was about like how to book a wedding, like starting your own studio. He was like, oh, no, I just wanted to make cool pictures of stuff. This is not I'm not going to be able to be like a professional like magazines aren't going to hire me. Right. Um, And Matt, like tooled around with filmmaking. But like it's it's a massive effort, like just getting the equipment, getting all the things in store. Um, and it's kind of this ironic convergence where these two, because we think of Homestar Runner as just weird brothers making a weird outsider art website of like weird in-jokes. But compared to all the other like teenagers making like weird celebrity parodies or anime mutations or just like violent uh, Newgrounds entries, here were two guys with full like... Traditional training, Uh, you know, Matt learning like uh, editing and storytelling, visual storytelling and acting and all these things necessary to make a film. And Mike learning color theory and composition and like all of these actual practical, necessary knowledge bases to make quality art, but applying it to the silliest thing possible so, even from the beginning, they have like this weird edge, and their work is like just that much more coherent and doable. And they just decided to apply those skills to this nascent, uh, I don't, I don't want to say art form, but really plug in Netscape plug in. <laughs> so, Flash is
0: a software put out by Adobe, first released under the Macromedia name Macromedia Holden. Adobe didn't
1: purchase it until later. Dear. God!
0: Dear God. First released under the name Future Splash Animator in 1996, which was developed by a small company called Future Wave Software. The predecessor for this was Smart Sketch, which was a vector-based drawing program for pin based computers. However, these pin based computers went out of style quite quickly, so they ended up just porting the software over to Microsoft Windows and Apple's classic Mac OS, and then later added animation abilities to create a platform for the World Wide Web, which is such a weird thing to say, but that was what it was called back in the day. People literally they called it the World Wide Web, and that is how we got to Future Splash Animator, which is, was brought, bought then by Macromedia, Jake, so you're the fuck-ass now. Uh, Can you say it like uh, Strong Bad? So, Jake, because he wouldn't say that word now. Yeah. You're the crap face now. <laughs> uh, and uh, later, Adobe buys it. And the only reason why Matt knew about this is he worked at Earthlink, an uh, internet provider, which would actually support him through a year's worth of strong bad emails later on. Flash 5 is actually what they end up using all the way into the mid-2010s because no version after that one had sound frames or the abil- rather the ability to click on an individual frame and hear the sound from that part of the audio track, which allowed them to cut and paste to sync in a way that was far more convenient than in later versions. And I just want to say, it totally reminds me of our network, for the longest time, Marcus on the network's computer, his big rule was do not update GarageBand because the version of GarageBand that he had, and I forget why this was, was was uh, preferable to any GarageBand update after it. And so, always his big thing was do. And I don't know how long that lasted. Now we use actually Adobe Audition. Speaking of Adobe, but uh, it was very funny sometimes that sometimes that uh, that old version just has something about it that's better than whatever highfalutin new version they have but uh,
1: I just want to go into a weird tangent just that there were, we were at the dial-up era of internet and so video streaming just would not work or if it did it would be such low resolution and bad audio quality that it would be unusable except for like grainy trailers and like badly compressed music videos and flash by using a vector-based software you were basically Instead of outputting and compiling a video of a red circle moving across a screen, you would just tell the computer on the client side, hey, here is where you should draw a red circle and you should move it like this. And that data across the Internet was infinitely smaller and easier to send. So you could have these streaming animated shows and animated graphics without uh, kind of chugging and buffering as much as a traditional video And it just so happened that, again, these guys were just using this tool that was used for this weirdly specific use case to convey media on the Internet for their project. And, like, one of the things that killed it was the opening of bandwidth and the increase in broadband so that computers didn't have to use this weird workaround (laughs) to convey sound and motion and color.
0: So Matt and Mike, in order to just learn this thing learn flash they pull they go back to that old children's book that that, that uh, was created so many years ago just use those characters and the basic concepts just to practice and uh, generally like Mike and did more of the animation Matt did more of the voices especially of the male characters Mike's girlfriend at the time and now wife Missy Palmer does the voice of marzipan Mike said 60 to 70 percent of the cartoon I do. And then Matt does any complicated scene with a lot of characters where there's actually some kind of action other than just characters talking. Matt will spend like five days on them, and then I'll just plow through the rest of the cartoon. The first cartoon was Marshmallow's Last Stand and centered around a wrestling match between Strong Bad and Strong Mad. Versus Homestar and Pom Pom, Matt said. I think we intended the cartoons to be similar to early Cartoon Network, like Dexter's Laboratory or Powerpuff Girls. Like those were kids' cartoons, but anyone could enjoy them. And uh, they also specifically wanted to avoid being a South Park rip off because they looked at what other web early ass web cartoons there were online, and they were all these like edgy, super dirty South Park rip offs. And they just figured, you know, other people are doing that. We like that kind of comedy. Just like the next person but we just we just don't want to be the same as everybody else so we're just going to kind of try this other type of this weird adult kids cartoon for adults essentially it's like almost like a peewee herman but for the early mm. internet age. oh
1: extremely peewee it's, yeah dear god it's like the off-kilter aesthetics the insane like shotgun blast cone of references from decades past the like, fact it that is. it's like
0: it's it's very much like clean but still for adults and it's just comedy and tone, but yet children could enjoy it as well. Either way, in January of 2000, they put these first cartoons out on a dedicated website, homestarrunner.com, after they learned uh, how to code a website and make Flash interactive with ActionScript. And now they've got this early, early day site, which is really just a dumping ground for this content that they're creating
1: it's just a portfolio so that if they are ever in a job interview and be like, so you do Flash, huh? Like, what what? What? what, what, what do you got? You can be like, oh, go to homestarrunner.com You see where there's interactive menus and little games and like we can do full animations.
0: But one of the, another thing that they're seeing on the internet that they hate is banner ads. They fucking hate banner ads and all that type of advertising on the early web that actually still exists today, ad nauseum. And so that is one of their early decisions is we're not going to have that type of advertising or, that, or any advertising on our website. So they developed their craft during 2000, through 2000 and 2001. They're putting out a bunch of Homestar-based cartoons, and they're developing all these great characters. And the, the whole voice of the thing, it's just really... Start, I mean, everybody's, you know, it's kind of like watching early Simpsons versus, like, season five Simpsons and on, right? there's all It's, like, very crude, and then slowly they start making more specific choices about dialect and things like that. Like, Strong Bad used to be a lot more like a luchador... Hispanic-accented uh, type of deal. And he kinda, they kind of smooth that out and kind of make give him his own dialect a little bit as it goes on and give him that very specific so it's not just like kind of a bad Spanish accent.
1: The uh, characters take on a more geometric and uniform style. Uh, the earlier Flashes have this like very hand-drawn kind of squiggly, uh, rounded quality to them. And the... Basic, very relatively early on into the run, we get the squared off Homestar Runner with like the smooth Bezier curves and everything. Mm-hmm. They never fix uh, Strong Bad's just direct green gradient tool eyes, and I love them for it. That's just <laughs> a beautiful choice.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's the other fun thing. They kind of keep these certain things the same, even though they're a little like crude or off, and I think that adds to the charm. But all of this changes starting really back on uh, August 22nd of 2001. And they put out an email cartoon called Some Kind of Robot, which had Strong Bad answering an email from someone named Abdi LaRue and ended with Strong Bad prompting the viewer to send their own email. So this was like a fake email. It looks like it might be real, but there's a kind of it seems gray about who this Abdi this is. This broke
1: my heart when I realized that they... Just faked the first email so that they can start getting emails to answer. Yes. And I, the illusion was shattered.
0: And this all kind of just comes together. They realize, well, we wanted to put out weekly content for the site, and this email framework is a really solid way to do it. So between giving the site a healthy regular content update, thus giving fans something regularly to check into, but also they have something to interact with and that the, they can write into the site and have their voice be heard and create funny things off of that. And they just that all just was a perfect way to have this very interactive weekly Thing That keeps people coming back. And another
1: uh, thing it established was Strong Bad as this cultural roast master, yes. as opposed to a cartoonish supervillain who just was like, I will get all the trophies. Yeah. Like now he was like zinging like fans and he was like uh, launching into diatribes about various cultural of things like everything from Japanese cartoons to heavy metal music to uh weird children's how to draw books from the 1970s. Yeah.
0: It started gradually. At first, they just thought it would be funny to have him be a grammar Nazi, essentially. (laughs) Matt said, We thought it would just be funny, a funny thing for like this big, bad, evil guy that thinks he's so bad, like to be a real stickler for grammar. He's also got an affinity for baking. So we thought that would be kind of funny as well. And then this continues with Strong Bad making fun of things. Uh, Matt said, I remember like it was either the techno one where he does like the one I was referencing earlier, where he makes fun of techno music, or the one where he makes fun of like the the, school. Squealy guitar players. It was one of those that was sort of lampooning of some very specific niche. Those were where it really started to. It felt like you'd meet someone later on. Oh, I I saw that actually. Some dude at work showed me that cartoon. And so the more, the harder we made fun of people, the bigger it seemed to get. So then we really concentrated on just ragging on whoever we could. And so yeah, they just they just kind of go in with what is getting more bites. What they're feeling is just, people are just really enjoying, uh, because there's such a variety of content that they put out, especially at first, and and uh, then honed in on what makes all these characters so funny.
1: But it definitely wasn't Marzipan's answering machine that brought all the boys to the yard. Yeah. It, um, the kind of anything goes style of the Strong Bad emails, the regular updates, the fact that, like, if you wanted to, you could take a deeper dive into the origins of all these characters, but, like, you didn't really need anything besides, like, Bub sounds like Red Fox and he's greedy. Strong, Strong sad is sad. Marzipan's the girl. Like, everything... <laughs> Everything kind of clicked into place immediately.
0: A little a little fun factoid, too, is that the look of the Strong Bad email screen is very much based on an old IBM that they had. They would play King's Quest and Load Runner on and stuff like that, and it had that green text and that big flashing cursor that is so synonymous with the Strong Bad email. So this is a glimpse at their weekly process, one of my favorite uh, segments of any episode we do. I love getting into process, and this one is so interesting because they love crunch. They actually really like that they d- they like how they have to just keep pushing forward it makes them not overthink things they like to just throw things against the wall and see what sticks so Mike said we'll start with Sunday we're looking through Strong Bad emails for several hours on Saturday and Sunday trying to find the one that we're going to do generally we start working anywhere from 4pm until 10pm on Sunday night and we've been pretty bad about procrastinating lately And then once we get started on it, we work pretty much nonstop. Usually Sunday nights, we're up until 6 or 7 in the morning working straight through. They generally take like 12 to 15 hours, depending. And uh, they actually have a good ones folder that's just full of emails that they feel like would make for promising bits. And then another thing that they would do is actually they'd come up with... I love this detail. Right? They'd come up with a topic first, and then they'd search the email folder... And uh, for keywords of that topic, and, and whatever came up, they would just pick the best one and go with it. So they actually had a couple of different approaches in terms of uh, how they would come up with their concepts for a strong, bad email.
1: So, the th- so one of the, th- the highlights of a strong, bad email is there's always the actual, there's a weird little opening ditty, like, okay, time for an email every week that I hope it's from a female. I love that uh, one. He oh, reads it from it a guy. Oh, it's from a
0: guy. <laughs> 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 like right after that. <laughs> He's so uh,
1: Weirdly mispronounces the state abbreviations or just makes up new acronyms for it. Uh, it roasts the original email sender for their grammar. And then anything can happen. They can just honestly answer the question. They can go on little side quests. They can end up taking the form of a music video. It can end up taking... Uh, One of my favorites is the montage episode where they just did like three or four different like montage parodies from like the meet cute to uh, um, the champion like sports montage. And all of them just arbitrarily, instead of featuring a normal character, would feature a red wagon filled with pancakes and you would just be (laughs) jamming out and you just hear like. You're a girl, or maybe a wagon filled up with pancakes. Like, <laughs> and uh, yes, it's reeks of like lol. I'm to Penguin of Doom, Super Monkey Taco. This random was internet way before humor.
0: that, and this way holds up. This way All was those way before that. And we're super trying
1: to be strong, then, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. This is, but it's it's always a lot, a lot funnier than just we're so random. But there are some big episodes to talk about in these in this uh, phase of Homestar Runner's lifespan as a website. The first one you mentioned, Stinko Man, the uh, J- that is actually called Japanese cartoon. If you want to look it up, uh, Stinko Man is like Astro Boy mixed with Mega Man and parodies eighties and nineties Japanese cartoons and NES games. And it is uh, where they the name for the indie game series. I, oh yeah, is this
1: where the I want to be the guy? The, I looked it up. The guy. Who made I want to be the guy swears that he got the idea for the name from a different place, even okay. though the I want to be the guy thing. If
0: you don't know about I want to be the guy, it is like super meat boy on cocaine. It is like an incre- it is a fan made or or kind of a home baked. Very, 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 very hard precision platformer that is like purposely made to be kind of an asshole and is covered in video game references from all to wall, and it's very fun to watch people like speedrun it and stuff. and uh, yeah, I just I, I was re-watching Japanese cartoon, and I was like, "Wait a second. is that that That's a bummer though to hear that? I th- really thought it was uh, definitely pulled from that.
1: the uh, I love the fact that the stinko man voice is yeah. uh, apparently influenced by Cam Clark who is also the voice of Leonardo in Ninja Turtles Kruka Crossover. Uh Cam Clark's voice as Canada in Akira yeah. Crossover reference and like it's it's. it was the first time that I ever heard someone acknowledge this very weird kind of surreal thing that like in dubbed anime of the 80s and 90s the protagonist would always have a weird surfer kind of yeah. California dude accent
0: yes also you might as well just call this episode the cu crossover episode because like all every reference is a fand a big fandom reference from the yeah. stuff you loved as a kid but uh then there's dragon. Oh wait, which uh, what character was introduced in Dragon? Of course, Trogdor.
1: Trogdor. <laughs> uh,
0: according to Matt, uh, quote, this was based on Ed Emberley drawing books, which is these things when we were kids—a series of drawing books where it's like to draw an alligator, you draw a triangle and you draw a rectangle and a bunch of triangles on the back for scales and two the scales in two lines. And broke it all down. And so, originally, the email was going to be mostly about, like, how to draw crappy dragons. And so, it was Strong Bad's version of that, doing this dragon. And we had somewhere, we tried to find it, actually, to bring it up here, just the sheet of Mike and I trying to draw worse dragons than the others. So, it's just a sheet of terribly drawn dragons, but starts this whole... I mean, Trogdor Trogdor ends up being... We've got video games. There's the song. I mean... It's just such a such a big, big mainline reference for, if for a, Homestar. If
1: a Homestar reference seeps its way into a mainstream product, it's definitely going to be a Trogdor reference. Um, if you, you can Google Ed Emberly Trogdor. I know you're listening to this on a phone. You can just open a new browser. It's fine. The episode will keep playing. If you look it up... It's basically Trogdor. It's kind of amazing with the notations, draw an S, draw an S, draw consummate Vs, draw all these Vs. It's like, it's such, again, you think that this came from the ether and all of the, all of the randomness of it was just like divine inspiration, but it's just two brothers riffing on stuff from their childhood and sharing it with the world. It's so just like, it's weird looking behind the curtain.
0: I feel like we haven't talked about it yet, but the whole thing's called Homestar Runner. Homestar Runner is like kind of the face of it in a certain way, but clearly the bulk of the content comes from Strong Bad. And I just love that. That in itself is a funny joke to me. Like just the fact that Strong Bad really is like the main character of this whole thing that, that puts out most, is the center of most everything. And yet Homestar Runner is the like main character, which would piss Strong Bad off so bad, which is why it's so funny.
1: The uh, old intro, which is. Also chock full of amazing jokes is, you know, the uh, welcome to HomestarWanna.net. It's mm-hmm. dot .com. Ended <laughs> with Strong Bad being like, hi, I'm Strong Bad. Uh, you don't know this yet, but I'm the reason you're here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then there's
0: Comic, again, one of my favorites. This actually spawned a reoccurring series called Teen Girl Squad. Just watch it. Maybe that's a good entry one, honestly, is Comic. Look up Strong Bad email comic on YouTube and it'll pop right up. This actually came in as an email to the Brothers chap, but it was actually from a girl just genuinely asking them to make a cartoon about her friends. And then they were just like, oh, we got to forward this one to Strong Bad. This is going to be hilarious. And then like had him handle it. So I also think that's great. So she was just like, my friends are so great. You should make a cartoon about us. And then it just becomes this hilarious uh, lampooning of, <laughs> of her and uh, essentially like Powerpuff girl type shows it's
1: also like the strongest uh representation of like women's pop culture on the site yeah and, like, i mean it's all brothers in this family right oh, no, it was, i'm not their... i'm not like trying to call anyone out i'm saying no, 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 one I'm of just, the reasons very
0: male dominant like just even in their family that they were so inspired from it's all dudes so that hints the dude humor
1: but uh this teen girl squad has like resonated almost beyond on like a higher frequency than like even any of the other things we've been talking about (laughs) it's so funny like there's not going to be a like what's her face the ugly one in a joss whedon movie yeah but like on tiktok like the memes like it is deeply embedded in the popular consciousness
0: and that's the funny thing is they always talk about how like they were so into character-based comedy but they are actually also masters of parody and just really nailing, like really stripping down and, and making anyone laugh at these basic concepts in pop culture uh, more than they even give themselves credit for. I mean, a Teen Girl Squad's amazing. Matt said, in the early 2000s was when I feel like computer labs and universities really started to take off. Or like more, you got a computer in your dorm room with a decent connection and that kind of stuff. And I feel like that's really when it exploded. When it got to like college students. And again, that's what happened for me and again, it was because I actually had a decent computer in my college apartment that was connected to the internet. Like, I think it was the first time it was like a directly wired, like, it, for the first time, I wasn't using dial-up. You just had like mm-hmm. immediate internet, you know, Napster, Kazan, Kazaa, all these like music stealing websites were huge. Like, the, the, the college computer scene was like really, really massive for just, like I said, stealing music, but also this free content that was now popping up online and was just so huge and so it is so true and they knew this because later when they start selling their merch it's kind of hilarious like their merch comes ebbs and flows with the college school year
1: even beyond college though even an elementary if you get any classroom with children in it that had a computer and no adult supervision it would always be one kid to run to the front of the class and put on a home star runner either on the digital projector or the smart board or anything else it was just the quickest way to go from government or private school owned computer to fun time entertainment hahas
0: And on top of that, they also benefited from most websites having a links page, like you mentioned earlier, Jake, which is kind of funny because in order to keep their website pure, they were like one of the only sites like that that didn't have a links page. So it's this thing they heavily benefited from that they didn't actually get back in return. But you got to appreciate it because they were just trying to keep the site so pure. But even some popular bands linked Homestar on their websites, which was like mind-blowing to the Brothers Chap. Uh and they actually did not realize how huge things were getting until they get an anonymous message from someone at Yahoo. Jake, do you want to explain this this is like kind of amazing.
1: So, uh like most people at the time, they with just a dinky website that they didn't quite understand, like that they were just throwing out there. Uh they just got web hosting from Angel, you know, Yahoo Tripod, Angel Fire, all these like little just uh, like, hey, start your website here for only $20 a month. And while they had signed up for, I believe, like half a gigabyte of bandwidth, which is you know, not that much, that's like, uh, I don't know, it's maybe one, yeah, a CD-ROM's worth of information transferred from the server to users. They had used terabytes of bandwidth from people downloading and watching their cartoons, which, as we established, were Flash files. Like, these were the itty-bitty, easy-to-download files that they were were created to save bandwidth. And they probably would have been charged thousands of dollars in overage fees if it wasn't for the fact that uh, probably a fan on the inside at Yahoo was like, hey, man, you might want to switch to another provider, like, real quick, bros. And the very idea that, like, this unheard-of amount of data was being spent on their weird little cartoons was a mind-blow for them. Yeah,
2: and if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. ba da ba Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley. With premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last.
0: that uh, I think really set it apart or really made it huge was it was full of Easter eggs and it was full of uh, all these different little things that uh, just you could actually find and pull out. Um,
1: Like from the beginning, one of their earliest like little interactive things was just uh, called the Homestar Talker. And it was just literally a bunch of buttons with text on it and you would click it and Homestar would just be like Mazapan likes making out with pom like it was, you were just clicking the words and making sentences and you got two different deeper layers of little talking widgets if you found secret phrases within it and this was before they even streamlined their look this was like web 1.0 shit but like from an early stage the idea that like right around the corner you can unlock a mini game or extra cartoon content or a secret home screen to the webpage that like within this world of the website basically anything is possible
0: yeah and uh, this actually came from them getting finding the first easter egg in the very first game that had one and now it is, is of course classically atari adventure for the Atari Twenty Six Hundred, and they found this Easter egg. They, I guess, they heard about it via word of mouth, which is kind of insane. They found it back in nineteen eighty-one, which is that early inspiration. Uh, also, a big part of why they didn't push too hard for a transition to like television or anything like that was just because they could do that. Uh, they could have these Easter eggs, and they could have these individual characters web pages, which is the format they like to play in. Matt said, so it's weird. Like, I don't want to be just be stuck in the early 2000s Flash animation scene, but there are things that were staples of our style, of not storytelling, but whatever, just conveying our weird entertainment to you that are specific very much that time. And Matt said, there was a brief flirtation with Comedy Central and Adult Swim. The whole TV thing seemed creepy. They wanted to plug it into their model, that all comedy was gag-related, not character-driven. They left the door open, but we liked what we were doing and just kept doing it online, which... I I think is very impressive. I would have gotten definitely swept up in the idea of making a big TV show or or selling to a big company. So instead
1: If you watch like mm-hmm. later um later interviews with them, I'm thinking of like uh there's the oral history of Homestar Runner which was was that on Gizmodo or io 9 either way. Um there's like a little bit of forlornness to them when they think about how much money they left on the table. Yeah,
0: they definitely leave a... a while I was doing the research and, and I, I was bl- like, that's all I can think about was how much money they left on the table. But they seem pretty happy and they're still doing yeah. things. But yeah, they definitely didn't figure out the, necessarily the best way to monetize it, but they also purposely kept those kinds of people out out as much as they could because they just enjoyed the pure... Love and process of doing it, which I do think is very respectable at the same
1: time. Every Homestar Runner fan, every week, I, there's you, I'm just drawing from the void a sense memory. You are in college, or you are in your parents' rec room. The Strong bet email you just finished, you just watched, has finished. The paper has lowered from the top of the screen. And now, in absolute silence... You are just hovering the mouse over every word of the final screen to find the Easter egg, hoping that the pointer turns into the little tappy finger so you can click on it and see a new music video or a little extra piece of comedy and release. You're back to the present. It's 2021. Things are, <laughs> eh, but we'll, we'll. it's fine. We'll, we'll get there. better than last year, I guess. Either way. <laughs> Uh,
0: one way that they did finally figure out how to make ends meet was by selling merch through the sites, such as T-shirts and buttons and stuff. And at first, you had to send a check to Matt and Mike's parents' house to get one. And at one point, they had family, friends, and neighbors all helping to package and send out merch because it got way more popular even again than they ever thought it would. we uh, they-
1: shareware share wear-ass hours here.
0: Yeah, they, they especially when they started doing hooded sweatshirts, the demand got so high that they finally got a fulfillment company to take over on merch orders. By around 2003, their dad tells them, hey, and I love that they had to have their dad tell them this before they actually thought about doing this. He was like, you guys should actually quit your job and go full time. They're like, oh, yeah, maybe we should. And like, they, they really loved that he was the one who told them. It's never the dad who says, quit your job. You know what I mean? And uh, I just love how supportive he, he was to them.
1: They claimed that the dad was like a stymied creative himself and uh-huh. always like, and that's why he was so encouraged. Ended
0: up being an accountant, always wanted yeah. to be a writer and sort of live through them, which uh, again, uh, totally, totally cool though, that he he was like that with that. And then they also put out DVDs of all the different uh, tunes that they had put out as well, which again, put Homestar on the big screen, stuff like that. Also using a DVD menu, they could still have the Easter eggs and things like that, that they so cherished in their. Media content and uh, and now we get to spin-off shows. They have uh, different different ways to put out their comedic content. They've got "Powered by the Cheat." Uh, this is uh, these are cartoons quote made by the cheat that would be animated and voiced by Mike Chapman instead of Matt doing the voices, and Mike's just doing bad impressions of Matt's voices. Uh, some even wonder. I think we speculated was this maybe a way to give Matt a little bit of a break? Uh,
1: it could have <laughs> been uh, one of the. Hu- Watching a Powered by the Cheat episode nowadays, it's incredible how much they, like there's weird animation in jokes that like are only really like uh, kind of resolved if you were a weird flash animation nerd back in the day. Just like the various shape tweens and like cheap animation tricks and weird cliched shots that would show up constantly in amateur flash animation of that era is like this A, it was an excuse for them to just, like, not have to put in as much effort and just kind of, like, have fun with an idea. But, like, it hits so much harder if you yourself fucked around with keyframes back in the day in Flash 5 and 6.
0: We also already mentioned Teen Girl Squad, but that gets its own treatment. Then there's Cheat Commandos, which is a great way to parody G.I. Joe and other 80s and 90s cartoons that were purely made to sell toys.
1: This is my dominant earworm from Homestar Runner is there was this nonsensical parody PSA that took place within the Chief Commandos universe <laughs> where it was uh Crack Stuntman the voice of gun sh- of the gunshaver shaver. Uh, and it was a PSA that was like kids don't play with too many knives <laughs> crack stuntman is gonna save some lives <laughs> pooh-ho-ho-ho, ho ho ho, poo, ho ho Like, nonsense, gibberish. Why awesome. is that in my brain all the time? It. But it. it is fully in there. Cheat Commandos is so fucking good. Definitely it's check out Cheat
0: Commandos. It's hilarious. Also, the uh, holiday specials, which are a fan favorite as well. The Halloween specials are really big. Also, their version of Christmas with Decemberween, which is very, a very funny <laughs> name for the it.
1: The Halloween episodes the costumes really highlights just how fucking deep their well goes. Where like any given see any given special, you'll have strong mad dressed up like the max, or you'll have pom pom dressed up like the, uh, uh, capital city goofball from the Simpsons. <laughs> just like, uh, uh, strong bad is general Zod, like just from the seventies, eighties and nineties with like, no consideration given to like any anyone else besides like characters that their brothers would be like huh, nice
0: so along with these spin-off shows and things that they're putting out they also are putting out games through the site and learning flash game making that way the strong bad email actually you should definitely go check out before you even try to get into any of these games I almost feel like as video games uh, is the name of the, the Strong Bad email it, uh, ha- uh, video? It had a hand in the next era of games that we see. First of all, there's Trogdor. This is based off of King's Quest 1 and other games of the sort. It no, has-
1: Peasant's Quest. Peasant's but quest. Trogdor
0: also is still kind of like the the way that the way the just the environment looks with the huts and stuff, mm. and the way you move around on the screen. It's
1: not okay. An, yes, the thatch roo- the thatch roofed cottages yes.
0: do look. That's what it is. It's like not because I also looked into this as well, as I, I thought it was uh, confusing as well. But no, but also if you look at Trogdor, even though it's more of like a almost a beat em up, if anything <laughs> else, uh, it is it is at least the movement and the look is based on King's Quest one. But yes, Peasants Quest. Definitely is the full-on King's Quest 1 parody. It is a d- adventure game. Uh, it is progr- programmed by Jonathan Howe, who ends up doing a lot of programming for them for these games. And they were so impressed with Howe's work on a text engine game they had to make called Thy Dungeon Man. So they asked if he'd like to work on something bigger, and he totally did. He programs the whole thing from scratch using Flash. And it is pretty impressive. With another
1: earworm is you can't get e flask, and then you just sit there thinking about why you can't get e flask.
0: <laughs> I love it so much. Definitely watch Strong Bad email video video games. It's very very funny. Then there's also Stinko Man. Obviously, it's going to be a Mega Man clone. Uh, the fu- interesting thing about Stinko Man is it never got its final level. Uh, until there was just
1: a little placeholder being like game finished soon.
0: Yeah, it doesn't get that level until the end of 2020, after 15 years, right before Flash shuts down, which is amazing. At least that they went back and. Hey did man, that.
1: Flash never shut down on us. We shut down on Flash, man.
0: Matt said, I have no idea when our peak was viewership wise, but 2002 to 2005 was definitely when we got to go the most nuts creatively. We expanded into weird live action and puppet stuff, CDs, DVDs, video games, toys, all kinds of crazy dream come true stuff we never thought we'd get to do. But for me, if you want a more precise moment, I would say February of 2004, when on the same day we received a demo of a song that uh, John Linnell from They Might Be Giants recorded for a Strong Bad email and a full-size working Tom Servo puppet from Jim Mallon from Mystery Science Theater 3000. I remember specifically thinking it's okay if no one watches another Homestar cartoon or buys another TV show because today happened which I think is so cool. And what cool entities, too. It's all the stuff that inspired them. is because Mystery Science, They Might Be Giants, all, all this kind of nerdy, you know, in-jokey kind of things actually come back to be inspired by them, which is really, really exciting. So uh, the They Might Be Giant collaboration, They the way that came Please together. Please
1: come down from your crystal fortress, Strong Bad. <laughs> it's a beautiful, it's a weirdly touching song. I'm just going to say it.
0: They, uh, so they made puppets of the Cheat, Homestar, and Strong Bad and did some videos with them. And then they might be giants hit them up around that time, so they did Puppet Jams, a video of the Homestar puppet jamming out and singing with them while they play music in a, uh, in a studio all together. And they later did an animated video for their song, Experimental Film. Check that out. It's awesome. It's got all the strong or rather all the Homestar characters in there. And they also did a video for them called Figure 8. They did all the animation for uh, this uh, They Might Be Giants video. Uh, and then they also get hit up by Harmonix, which is interesting because we literally just did our episode on Guitar Hero and Rock Band, and gave them Trogdor for Guitar Hero 2, which I do believe we mentioned in our episode. As a
1: bonus track. Uh, the funny part is, in the interviews, they were like, oh, we never signed any contracts with it, just like, Cool people hit us up and wanted to do cool stuff with us, and we were like, cool.
0: Yeah, and, and again, leaving money on the table, they were like, we didn't deal with contracts, we never ex- uh, accepted money. Like, every this was all a free exchange, which is great, but at the same time, I'm like, get paid, son.
1: Uh, but either way, outsider
0: artists, baby, they're not part of your fucking system. Jake, we are evil, is what I'm trying to say. All right, we listen,
1: do- you sell one over the internet baldness cure for two years, and all of a sudden, you're a sellout. <laughs> is that what I'm hearing? Also this week check out Wizard the Bruiser sponsored Penis
0: pills. That's right. We're going to, If would you ever like scales on your penis? Do you want fur to make it look like a tiger? Well, don't worry. A mad scientist named Dr. <laughs> Felonius Transito has decided to create penis-altering
1: pills. God, just, uh, just call us up, and we'll send them to you today. Now, I know what you're thinking. I don't want pills to help my penis. I just want to put pills in my penis. We also have an option for you. Would you like your penis to grow woman shaped
0: lips? <laughs> all Dr. Felonius Transitor today. <laughs> um, all right, here we go. Uh, next, we'll talk about the Telltale See, now game. Now, if this
1: was Homestar Runner, Felonius Transito would have his own spin off cartoon and a t shirt on sale hey, within a it's month. That's
0: me, Felonious <laughs> Transito. Uh, I don't know dick where to go with <laughs> Dick But they wouldn't say Dick Pill, which oh, is yeah. interesting. But either way, uh, now we have the Telltale game, another bizarre-ass crossover. I believe we very briefly mentioned it in our Telltale Games episode. And it's very funny how they actually like the way Telltale works. Is it similar to the way that they work? Uh, just in the sense Especially of this, at crunch this era craziness.
1: Because yeah. this was before uh, Walking Dead and Telltale's uh, now famous expansion and crash, where they were this like similarly outsider, nerd-focused, kind of internet-native uh, phenomenon, where it was really about, like, kind of reclaiming this nostalgia zone for old uh, adventure games. You know, they were releasing the Salmon & Max uh, episodic things at this time. And this was, in a way, their first kind of big um, license tie-in, even though it, it's, it wasn't that big of a license thing. Also, uh, For the record, even though Telltale has uh, kind of floundered, you can get uh, Strong Bad's Cool Game for Attractive People right now on Steam, on good old games, for dirt cheap. So if you've never played them before and are just hankering for some old school Strong Bad, definitely get it.
0: But they were the perfect people for Telltale to approach because they of course love all those adventure games. They're even making parodies themselves and versions themselves of old adventure games. And they knew that the Telltale guys came from LucasArts and they loved Monkey Island. They loved Sam and Max. Literally one of one of the brothers chap was like I actually was playing Sam and Max like episode one like when they hit us up. I mean uh, really really into what they were doing and the brothers are super involved in the development as well. They, they actually get what they want they want actual uh creative control of a lot of things and they loved the quick turnaround of episodes because that's exactly how they worked
1: the uh dialogue the music like so much of their output for the game was done in the same home studio on the same equipment as the cartoons it really does feel like an extension of the website um in a way it's a little bit interesting where the first of all weird side anecdote Uh, apparently they were approached by Sega of America earlier on. Yes. And when asked like, hey, are we able to like help like shape the like course of the game or are you just going to get the rights and then outsource it to a third-party studio and they're going to crank out something in six weeks like a platform at at least the guy
0: was honest he was like yeah we're definitely going to do the the latter and they're like all right well thanks for at least being straight up with us so then uh, they uh, later are approached by telltale but yeah for sure that happened and again just a testament to them sticking to their guns and not letting anyone take their property and fuck with it. And I think that that's really amazing. Cause again, this property, by the way, it's one of the rare instances where this home brewed thing doesn't spin out of control. In fact, I was thinking about this and referencing it to reference another episode we recently did. This really is the opposite of rooster teeth. They went in mm. opposite path. Rooster teeth was like, how do we expand and become this giant co- uh, corporate monster? And for, uh, for, homestar guys they were like how do we keep this just between the two of us and just keep this as small and intimate as humanly possible and it's interesting to see where how both of those things went i mean one got gazoodles and gazoodles of money and obviously it has other issues and big problems uh, that we got to near the end of that episode whereas homestar they, they they're not millionaires at this point but they also got to keep their property and it seems like they've lived quite content lives
1: But it also has to do with the timing of it. Just the difference of, like, 10, 12 years between the Flash era and the streaming video era, digital streaming did not come and just, I, I believe the term is, fuck traditional media's breakfast. Yes. And so that level of, like, desperation and money looking to figure out what the next best thing was, like, you know, Homestar Runner guys would walk into these meetings with, like, cable TV networks and who wouldn't have any idea about what they really represent. They'd just be like, I don't know, my nephew thinks you're cool. What do you got? The sheer amount, what's interesting with the Cool Game for Attractive People is even though it was episodic, each download over WiiWare, uh was an insane chunk of material, original material, created by the Chapman brothers to the point where it pretty much, like, Maybe, you know, allegedly kind of led to their eventual hiatus and kind of burnout because you play a Strong Bad Cool Game for Attracted People episode and all of a sudden you realize, wait a minute, I've been playing this. I've been in Homestar World for an hour, two hours. Hell, if it's an adventure game and you don't look up hints, you could be stuck at a dead end because you couldn't figure out a dumb logic item puzzle for half a day. And you realize, like, there's this uncanny valley sets in where, you know, a thing that you've engaged with for maybe four minutes a week your entire life, you're now like the reality almost like is is weirdly kind of vibrating and like being held together by tape and string. Like if Homestar Runner is something that two guys made over the course of a week, all of a sudden you're dealing with this thing that they've worked on for six months for like uh-huh. 20 hours at a time, and it feels kind of weird.
0: Yeah, and definitely with the Telltale game, uh, the, just the hundreds of lines of dialogue, they were definitely, they p- took a toll on their voices, it took a toll on their personal lives, and that is what it looks like led to them going on the All hiatus. still
1: updating the website.
0: Yeah, I think they just got totally burnt out, and uh, it's totally understandable that they would I actually go on a hiatus at this point, but also before that happens, I will, I want to note that weird-ass Poker Night at the Inventory game that I think probably Strong Bad got in there because of the Telltale game specifically, and it is Strong Bad and the Heavy from Team Fortress 2 and Max from Sam and Max and Tycho from Penny Arcade all hanging out weirdest, playing poker together. Weirdest, thing. But the reason why we still mention it, and we mention it in, what, probably our Valve episode, but the reason why it gets mentioned is it's actually pretty great, and there's a lot of really funny dialogue in it and stuff, so it Kind of, it was a, a, a little stand up uh, or a, rather a little standout game that, that uh, never should have been. Either way, uh, the website goes on hiatus after five years as they were overworked, as we said. And also, they got kids now and stuff like that. And, you know, they can't just pump out this weekly thing, uh, and especially
1: kinda, when their work process for the weekly yeah, thing so was crunchy. secluding themselves yeah. for four days at a time. Yeah. They can't, you they can can't, watch a, uh, YouTube video called like the making of email 100, where they do a time lapse and you can see they're just hunched over these like three laptops running back and forth to record dialogue, to edit art assets, to animate, to like do all the, to do the scripting. And like, they are just in the zone. Like it is, you know, once you have two daughters, you can't just be like, "Sorry, sweetie, daddy has to go amuse stoners." You won't see me for four days. So they
0: decide to call it on email number two hundred. It's just a nice round number. They go on full hiatus from the site in late two thousand nine after they put out a few more things. And they also don't really—they didn't really make much of an announcement, according to Matt. Uh, I know we probably bummed people out. Or lost some people's respect for not saying anything, but we also wanted the site to be focused on the characters, so it would have felt like pulling back the curtain too far to suddenly be like, "Hey, we've got kids and it's hard." It didn't seem worth it to be like we wrote the Yo Gabba Gabba Christmas special. That's why we're taking a hiatus. So uh, they they, and also I bet there was a part of it just like maybe we will, maybe we'll, maybe we'll have time next week. I know that I saw some quotes like that as well, being like, "Well, we don't actually know if we're fully on hiatus or not because we might actually decide to pick this thing back up and and figure out our schedules in a way to make it work." But either way, Matt uh, then goes out to L.A. to seek regular working hours in writing, animation, production, etc., getting that early work for Yo Gabba Gabba, as mentioned just, just now. They also got to direct a short film for the band of Montreal, who, of course, whose drummer helped them coin the name Homestar Runner. I love how it comes back around. And uh, they also, with Jonathan Howe, who made that Flash game, they make a, a Flash game for Rick and Morty called Rick and Morty's Rushed Licensed Adventure. which sounds like a nice fit for them working with uh, the Rick and Morty people. Uh, Matt said, and then after that, when I started working at Disney, we. I got to work on the show Gravity Falls, Wander Over Yonder, and even they're doing these Mickey Mouse shorts, and I just got, got to just sort of brainstorm with those guys a little bit, which was super
1: cool. According to Alex Hirsch, the creator of Gravity Falls, which will get its own episode, yes. as God is my witness, yes. Uh, he saw Matt Chapman, uh, who was at Dis- at the Disney offices for a, just an incidental meeting, and came running up to him because, you know, he's a younger guy, he was part of that... Uh, Uh, That CalArts like school and like in that circle, Homestar Runner was like the be all end all of like true creative vision online animation. And so he worshipped this guy. He helped shape his sense of humor. And it was just pure happenstance that uh, Matt was shipping around pilot scripts to get his writing career off the ground. And the uh, Boys for Life episode, which is hilarious. Like one of the funniest Gravity Falls episodes was his. Also
0: under Disney, they got to create a series of web shorts called Two More Eggs, which follows characters on weird misadventures. And they find themselves actually in a very nice creatively free weekly crunch cycle that works perfectly for them. Matt said, the part we were worst at was the character Bible and bios for these characters that you just kind of made up. I still don't think I could write a a decent character Bible or bio for Homestar. And we did that for a decade. It's like an open beta. I love this quote. It's like an open beta. Our cartoons are an open beta. Data, and we're slowly evolving it, and we're making you watch it, which I think is really, really a fascinating and perfect way to describe that. Absolutely. So they do an April Fool's tune in 2014 on the site. This pokes fun at how the abandoned, how abandoned the site is, and also serves as a testing ground for a full return. Matt moves back to Mike's town, and they start putting stuff up again. This time, not weekly stuff just just for funsies stuff Matt said we're not expecting this to be our full time gig we just want this to be fun there were points in the initial run where it was a great job but it was also stressful so now if we want to make a great cartoon every couple months it will be something new but we're not going to stay awake all night just to finish a Strong Bad email so they go they do a big 20th anniversary special they actually to bring again it back to the beginning they have Homestar Runner and Strong Bad reading the script that was going to be that second children's book which never happened, which I think is very, very sweet. And then the Strong Bad Twitter actually got super active for a little while, including a series called Skills of an Artist, uh, which... Uh, were puppet videos of Strong Bad teaching fans to draw, but then went into a second hiatus. They also launched a Kickstarter in 2018 to make and release a Trogdor board game. And much like these types of projects, they get way more money than they thought they would get. A ton of outpouring of love, which is amazing to make that. Did it come out yet? Yeah, yeah. Or is it still? Oh, okay, great. Is it cool? Should I get it?
1: Uh I've heard good things. Cool. Um it's so weird seeing strong bad updates on YouTube now because yeah. like even like compared to like anything from like toy unboxing channels to makeup tutorials to all the things that like you know uh video game like uh, Fortnite playthrough videos like all the things like YouTube is this massive platform where things get billions of views on a regular basis these days and like a new Home Star episode will get like 50k views at this point and that's so surreal to me
0: yeah yeah for sure Uh, Go, go, go watch all the new things. Watch it, support them. And also what's so surreal to me is that starting in 2021, Flash has been no longer supported online. An initial attempt at preservation of the site was a YouTube-embedded, mobile-friendly version. This did not get good early positive reception, so they decided to shut that down. And that's when, what you mentioned uh, earlier in the episode, that's when Ruffle comes along. There's a project using Rust to archive Flash sites and the Homestar Ruffle variant went live January 1st, 2020. And so there. it is still slightly preserved. Like I said, you can also go to YouTube to check it out. It is such a special thing. Going back through it, especially on our study group uh, this past Sunday, was so much fun. It, 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 watching it with a group of people, as it should be watched, but it's also fun solo. It is actually... Very, very strong. It very, very much so holds up. I love the characters. I love the parodies.
1: It's the wholesome, nourishing balm that this society needs now more than ever. Absolutely. Talk to your friends and family about watching a bunch of strong, bad emails in a row in a weird kind of warm haze.
0: Uh, Anything else before I close this out with a quote?
1: No, just uh, for the rest of my life, probably as the neurons in my brain uh, cease to exist and die one by one. And the uh, DMT floods my spinal cord. I'll hear tunes, games. <laughs>
0: I also will say special shout-outs to Sean for doing the research. Sean always, always knows at this point that I like to finish out with a strong quote and now loves to choice pick out ones for me and did absolute service to me by picking this one out to end today's episode. You should probably
1: go to find him on Twitter, Sean HSN, Sean number eight, your son, at Twitter.
0: Fantastic, dude, fantastic stuff happening over on his end. And uh, here's the final quote. This is from Emily Vanderwerf. Uh, She did an article for the AV Club, and this is what she had to say. It was predated, notably, by SpongeBob SquarePants and a handful of other late 90s hits, but Homestar Runner ended up feeling like the purest possible expression of one corner of the internet, the one that wanted to just like stuff instead of always feeling at a remove from it. It codified the pureness of being a little kid and falling in love with your first TV show or movie or book. And it turned that into a series of web shorts that pointed the way forward, not just for the legions of web series to follow, but also a host of TV shows from Adventure Time to Bob's Burgers, from Community to Parks and Recreation. I absolutely agree. Uh, it's, I, I think I, I was just about to do pop history earlier with Natalie and, um, she was like, what are you doing today's, uh, Wizarding the Brewster and I was like, Oh, Homestar Runner. And she was like, what's that? And it made me a little sad. So if, if you're out there, uh, and you're just hearing this for the first time, definitely give it a little taste. It is really, really funny. And I really, it also is such a, uh, uh such a cornerstone of the early stages of the internet and all of the shit you like now, that's weird and goofy and fun on the internet, uh, I think can draw some inspiration, I think probably from Homestar Runner. Couldn't have said it better myself. Hell yeah, son!
1: Let's get out of this B word, uh, partner. Where's the paper? We gotta, the paper has to end it. We can't, <laughs> Mary, add some generic uh Dot matrix printer sounds as the episode ends. (laughs) Oh, Lord.
0: Uh, As long as that's not too difficult and shitty to do. Either way.
1: Especially if it's difficult. (laughs) The difficult things are more worth it. A little peek behind the curtain about how
0: intense Jake (laughs) is uh, to work with. There you go. There it is. Uh, I will say thank you again, everybody, for joining us. Check us out on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash whizbrew. We have weekly bonus content for $5 a month. Also, we do the Sunday study session at the $15 tier. Hang out with us. It is such a fun group of people. And we get together every Sunday at 5 p.m. ET and go over. Just enjoy in the various ways of whatever topic we're studying that week. Injected into my veins. Also, uh, you can find me twitch.tv forward slash Ho. Join us uh, Monday, Tuesday, and Friday evenings for di- different various versions of content that will blow your butthole so wide open it will make a million old ladies puke. Jake? Uh, follow me on Twitter at bestjakeyoung. I, do, right. I make jokes. It's incredibly optional to follow Jake, but I do also suggest it. Um, no buttholes will we'll be, be will make an old woman barf. So that is a Jake Young guarantee. No barfing old ladies over there. Unlike my Twitch. All right. Thanks again for joining us. Uh, always remember never stop bruising. And keep on whizzing. The system is down. The system is down.
1: It's over.
0: This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors, you can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Walmart Plus members save on Meeting Up With Friends.